0: and thank you uh, for sharing that song. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles again to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to conclude this series, Christmas, the Big Reveal. Jesus is the big reveal of Christmas, and he revealed to us life, what life is all about, but also how we really have life, abundant here and eternal with him in glory. He revealed light to us. That is, the way to God. He opened the path for all of us to come to God through faith. And he revealed grace and truth, is what we talked about last week. God's grace and God's truth. And he, Jesus is the composite, the perfect synthesis of, of both God's grace and God's truth. He doesn't compromise his grace, and he, he doesn't compromise his truth. Long ago, there ruled in Persia a wise and good king. He loved his people. He wanted to know how they lived. He wanted to know about their hardships, and often he would dress in clothes of a working man or a beggar, and he would go into the homes of the poor. No one whom he visited thought that he was their ruler. One time he visited a very poor man who lived in a cellar. He ate the coarse food that the poor man ate. He spoke cheerful and kind words to him, and then one day he left. Later, many years later, he visited the poor man again and disclosed his identity, saying, I am your king. The king thought the man would surely ask for some gift or some favor, but he didn't. Instead, he said this, You left your palace and your glory to visit me in this dark, dreary place. You ate the coarse food that I ate. You brought gladness to my heart. To others, you've given your rich gifts. But to me, you've given yourself. The King of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, has given himself to you. Reminds me of another uh, little story. You, How many of you have ever watched Undercover Boss? You're very familiar with that story where the, the boss of a company uh, dresses or disguises himself, and he goes among the employees. He wants to see, much like this story, how his employees, what their conditions are, how they're working, what this manager or this... Uh, uh, is doing and uh, he disguises himself. And many times these employees and these managers are working their hardest and, and they just don't feel very successful. And, and uh, maybe the business is floundering somewhat, but when that boss begins to see, many times on this show, you see how hard he sees how hard these employees are working and these managers are putting in extra hours. And, and they, he begins to understand their plight and he begins to understand what they need. And he is able then to give them what they need. And a lot of times what they need is just some appreciation. A lot of times what they need is just some time off, some rest. But he's also able to breathe into them some wisdom and and some understanding into how that business can even succeed better. Well, Jesus Christ kind of came as our undercover boss. God came into the world disguised as one of us. And He is able to sympathize with us. He gets us. You don't think God gets you. God gets you. He understands you better than you think He does. So today, as we look at John chapter 1, I want us to read uh, the first and second verse, and then we're going to drop down and read 14 through 18. John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at verse 16. And of His fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has revealed Him. So this morning, I want you to understand that what Jesus revealed was God Himself. Yes, He revealed life and light and grace and truth, but what He came to reveal in all of that was the very person of God. So what does this passage show us that Jesus revealed about God? First of all, He calls Him the Word of God. Jesus gave God's word in what he taught. In fact, the Bible says, "In Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 26 through 28, the Bible says, Jesus said, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that I can do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who has sent me is with me. Jesus is saying, I spoke the words of God. In John chapter 12, he says the same thing in verse 49 and 50. He says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me, gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. So, Jesus said, I speak God's word. But not only that, here's the real truth. Jesus is God's final word. Jesus is God's final word. Now, you remember, we've talked about how during the Between the Testaments, Malachi to Matthew, 400 years of silence. No word, no prophetic message, no spoken word from God. And after 400 years of silence, then God himself speaks by becoming man. And he calls himself the Word. So after 400 years of silence, here comes the Word of God. And it's the person of God, and it's the final word. How do I know that? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Listen, Jesus is God's complete revelation of himself there will be no other revelation. If you're waiting for the heavens to open and God to explain Himself further, it ain't gonna happen. If you've rejected Jesus, you have rejected His Word. There is no other revelation other than Jesus Christ. He is the complete revelation of God. That's what He's saying here. He is the Word of God, and He is God Himself. In fact, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God. How do you have a relationship with someone? How do you begin a relationship with someone? You begin with communication, don't you? You have to speak. You have to relate to one another. And see, if there's no words, if there's no communication between the two of you, then there's no relationship. The same is true between you and God. If there's no word, if there's no communication, then there's no relationship. So if you reject the very word, the very channel of communication between you and God, you have no relationship with God. And if you have no relationship with God, when you die, you will go to hell. But that's not what has to happen. There will be no more revelation from God. Jesus is it. His gospel is God's final word to the world. In fact, when we read in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6, we read during the Great Tribulation, what's going to happen is that an angel is going to, even during the tribulation, even God's going to give man one more chance. And, and, and God has is shown many signs and wonders during the tribulation uh, if you read the book of Revelation. It's, it's quite scary if, if you think you're going to be here. Of course, I don't plan on being here. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be in heaven with the Lord Jesus. He's going to come for his church before this happens. But for those who reject Jesus will have to go through this tribulation. But yet, he's going to give them one more t- chance. In fact, he's going to send 144,000 Jewish evangelists to, to sweep the earth and telling the gospel of Jesus Christ. But even after that, even after those are, are killed and gone on to be with glory, then he's going to give them even one more chance. God is he, He's a merciful God. And he sends, since there's no more man on earth to tell the gospel, it says he sends an angel. And this angel doesn't come and say, hey, I'm real. Look, I'm an angel, follow me. That's how false religions and cults get started because they believe they saw an angel and heard this message and this message was different from what God already gave. That's not what happens to this angel. It says this angel came and it says he preached the everlasting gospel to those who dwell on the earth. The everlasting gospel, that's the gospel that started in Genesis and all the way through Revelation. It doesn't change. Why does the Christmas story never change year after year? Why is it the same? Because it's everlasting. It's the truth. And if something's the truth, it doesn't change, does it? It's always the truth. So if you reject the gospel, you reject Christ. You reject God. But Jesus said, first of all, I came to reveal the word of God. I am the word of God. There will be no other revelation. That's the gift and the miracle of Christmas. But he also came, he says here in John chapter 1, we read of this word glory. He says in verse 14, We beheld His glory, the glory as of of the only begotten of the Father. Now, what is the glory of God? We hear that all the time. To God be the glory, the glory of God. Well, if you study the word glory throughout Scripture, you discover it's used in a variety of ways. First of all, it's used as His presence. We see it symbolized in in Exodus chapter 24 and 40 and actually throughout the Old Testament many places, even in the book of Revelation, you see his glory represented by a cloud, a cloud. The tabernacle is filled with his glory and a cloud overshadows it. Or by fire, his glory is represented by fire. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 4 that when Israel had uh, so sinned against God that it says his glory departed. That is his presence. The presence of God left Israel. So in one of the ways glory of God can be described is God's presence. Another is His creative works, His power over nature. For example, the display of the heavens and the earth, Psalm 19. The heavens declare, what? The glory of God. Did you see that bright, bright star last night on Christmas Eve? The one that was right over here hanging low in the sky? In fact, one of the kids asked me, what is that? I said, well, that's that's probably one of the planets. But, you know, it reminded me of that star that perhaps the wise men saw, and they followed but the heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth shows forth His handiwork. And so His glory could be His creative works, the color that you see in the fall, the color that you see in the spring, the, 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 the tides, the rising and falling of the tides. All of these things, they didn't just happen. They speak of God's greatness. Another way His glory is described is His brightness. That is His holiness, His purity, His light. In fact, in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, what did the shepherds see? It said, and the glory of God shone round about them. You remember Saul on the road to Damascus? He met Jesus Christ, and he was blinded with a bright light, and he was blind for three days. It's what we looked at last week in Isaiah 2 and Revelation 6. It's what unrepentant sinners hide from. They don't want to come to the light. They don't want to come to the glory of God, lest their deeds, which are evil, should be exposed. It's what we all fall, fall short of in Romans 3.23. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have fallen short of God's holiness and His purity and His light. It's also, his glory is also described as His omnipotence. That is, His powerful works. Like in Numbers 14, God referred to the signs and the plagues that He brought on Egypt and the way He delivered Israel out of Egypt. He said, Israel has seen my glory. How did Israel see his glory? He, they saw his glory by the wonderful things he had done in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. And then we also use the term glory to talk about God's praise. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to me. In other words, we lift up praise. So see, all of these things, Jesus, the Bible says in Zechariah six thirteen, he shall bear the glory. That's a prophecy. About the coming Son of God who would bear the glory of God. We know God's glory when we look at Jesus. That's what the Bible says too in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4, and verse 6. The Bible says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we know God's glory when we look at Jesus. How do we do that? Well, did Jesus have power over creation? Let's see. Jesus turned water into wine. So he could take something that was just plain water and to turn it into something that was the fruit of the, of the vine. That's power over nature. What else did Jesus do? Did he walk on something that you, you can't walk on? Water. What did he do when he, was in the, when he got into the boat and he spoke to those waves and wind? He said, peace be still, and he calmed the storms. He exercised God's glory and his power over nature, his power over creation. Do we see his brightness and his purity? Sure we do. Mountain of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John are taking up with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. And Jesus is transfigured before them. That is, his inward real reality, who he really was, became visibly evident to them. And so the brightness, it says, his clothes became dazzling white and he shone like the sun. And and they fell on their faces, as Peter, James, and John did, as dead men because they knew they were in the presence of the glory of God. Jesus was displaying his brightness, his purity, his holiness. And it's at that point God said, This is my beloved son. Hear him. You see, Peter and James and John were enamored with Moses and Elijah. They were there too. And and Peter said, Hey, let's build us three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And, And then all of a sudden Jesus was transfigured and they fell on their faces as dead men. And God said, Hey, it ain't about Moses and Elijah. Now listen to the Jew, Moses and Elijah, that was their religion. That was the book, the law. Keep the law and the prophets. Moses the law, Elijah the prophets. God said it, I'm paraphrasing. He drew their attention away from Moses and Elijah and he said, this is my son. This is where my glory is. You pay attention to him. You follow him. You love him. You devote your life to him. Because Jesus is God's glory. Did Jesus display God's omnipotence and his powerful works? Well, remember when Lazarus got sick? And they got word four days before he died, hey, Lazarus, your friend, is sick. And Jesus tarried. It was like he was dragging his feet almost so as you read that story in John chapter 11. And, and the disciples said, you know, are we not going to go see about Lazarus? And Jesus said, this sickness is for the glory of God. How can a sickness be for the glory of God? Well, you say only if it results in how it happened for Lazarus but that's not necessarily true. Your sickness or the sickness of another individual, even if it doesn't result in final healing or, or if they're a follower of Christ, it will result in final healing. They'll be in heaven. But even if it doesn't result in earthly healing, can it still be for the glory of God? Can God still get glory out of that? Certainly. How can we explain that? I can't. But yet, God said, this sickness is for the glory of God. Jesus said that. And then he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. He raised the dead. That's displaying God's glory, his power. He he healed lepers. He he healed the blind. He healed the lame. And these and many other other works that Jesus did revealed God and his glory. In John chapter 5, In verse 16, it says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. See, they were law-driven. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. And whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So you see, in the fact that Jesus was working and doing these things on earth, displaying his power, he was displaying God's power. He was displaying God's glory. It was for the glory of God. So Jesus came to reveal the glory of God. And lastly, Jesus came to reveal the presence of God as our Father. Look back at John one fourteen. He said, And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And verse 18 says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father is, he has revealed him. Jesus came to reveal God as our Father. First of all, he says that God is with us. In verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God is with us. In fact, Matthew one twenty-three. Joseph, when the angel appeared to Joseph, Joseph said, and he shall be called what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. God, Jesus, God with us. He is truly God. There can be no doubt that Jesus is truly God. If there's ever any doubt that Jesus is truly God, in your mind or in your heart, you need to go back to the scriptures. Oh yeah, there are plenty of spurious religions and cults out there that question and call in the, uh, uh, the divinity of Jesus Christ into question. But without doubt, Jesus is God. The scriptures affirm that over and over Yes, He is is God. He says in Colossians 1 and verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God. You say there it says the image. Well, look at chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If we go back to our text in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There can be no doubt in our minds that Jesus Christ is truly God. Hebrews 1.3 also says, speaking of Christ, remember he says in, in verse 2 that God spoke to us through him, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Listen, Jesus Christ is God, fully God, who became fully man. He wasn't half God, half man. He wasn't a hybrid. He was fully God, fully man. And see, that's what makes the Christmas story even more special. It tells us that God is with us, and it tells us that he will never leave us. In John chapter 14, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his earthly departure. And he told them this in verses 16 through 18. He said, I will pray the Father that he will give you another helper. Another helper. Because Jesus was departing. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither knows, sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans. What's an orphan? Without a father, without a mother. Jesus came to reveal God with us as our father. Jesus said, I'll not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with us today. He just wasn't with us for 33 years and then left us. He's still here today. That's what Carly just sang about a moment ago. And the truth is, is is the presence of God as our Father, that God is our Father. That Jesus has declared our Father. You know, it's been said by many of you that that I marked my kids well. I, I like to think that they look a little bit like Tana, because if they grow up looking just like me, bless their souls, but a lot of you have said, man, he's the spitting image of you. But they're not me. They're my offspring. I hope and I pray, and they do, that they represent their earthly, I mean their heavenly father. And I hope and pray that I represent my heavenly father. But when it says Jesus came to reveal the Father, it's not in the sense that my sons look like me and that maybe they remind you of me. That's not how it is at all with Jesus and God. Get this now. Now, we know the the truth of the Trinity in the Bible. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are three distinct persons but one God. But get this. Isaiah 9, 6. Here's the prophecy about Jesus. And if there were any doubt that it's about Jesus, you listen to this verse. For unto you, he says, let me read it, unto us a child. Underline in your mind that word child. For unto us a child is born. And underline the next word, and a what? Son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And look what his name will be called and his name will be called, say them with me, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What will this child and this son be called? He will be called Everlasting, hmm. Now that poses some confusion, doesn't it? How can the child be the father? How can the son be the father? Because you cannot separate the Trinity. You cannot compartmentalize God. You can compartmentalize and separate me from my boys. But you cannot do that with Jesus Christ and God the Father. He came to reveal the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. And when you see him, Jesus said over and over again, If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. John 10, 38. That's what the scripture says. Jesus said it. If you've seen me. He said... I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. And in John 14, 7 through 11, he's having this discussion again with his disciples, and he said, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him, and you have seen him. How? Because they'd seen Jesus. And Philip still didn't get it. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and and it'll make us happy. It'll satisfy us. And Jesus said, Have I been with you so long, and yet you don't know me, Philip? You don't still understand who I am? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You're looking straight at Him. Jesus, the Son, the Child, is the Father. Hey, I know your brain can't wrap your... You can't wrap your brain around that, can you? And if you could... Would he be worthy of worship? If you could figure God out, would he be big enough to be your God? Wouldn't be big enough to be my God if I could figure him out. If I could explain him with some scientific formula and some proof, that makes him puny. That makes him comprehensible. But our God, our Christ, our Jesus, our Father is incomprehensible. He is fully God. And Jesus said... Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Now, if Jesus revealed the Father because he is the Father in the person of the Son, what does that mean? If you Go back to our text in John 1, 12. Here's what it means. As many as received him, who's him? Jesus, the light, the life, the grace, the truth, the glory, the God. He said, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become what? Every father is a father because he has what? Children. How do you get to become a child of God? Oh, I was born. No, that means you're a child of your parents. Or I was born into a Christian family. No, that means you're a child of a Christian mom and dad. How do you get to become a child of God? It says it right here in John 1.12. It's not because you were born into a Christian family or born into a Christian nation or go to church every Sunday. It's because you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. You believe that what he did on Calvary's cross, when he shed his blood, it was your sin he was paying for. It was your punishment that he was taking, that he was enduring the wrath of God upon himself to spare you from God's wrath. You receive that for yourself, and you get to become, he makes you a child of God. So what does that mean, that you're a child of God? Well, it means so much that we don't have time to explain, but think about this. Every child here today can't wait to get home and see what's under the the tree. Or maybe you've already done that. You got up early and already did that. They're so excited because what Santa Claus is going to give them, or what mom and dad is going to give them. But listen to what the Bible says about your father. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? In other words, each of these kids probably made Christmas lists. You know, and they're not going to get everything that they asked for, but... You know, if they ask for a particular item, you know, as good parents, we want to give to our children. We want them to have these things that are, that they ask for, and especially that they need. And he says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, underline in your mind that next phrase and say it with me, how much more? Will your, who? Father in heaven give good things that ask him. Because you're his child. You can ask. And you can expect to receive because you know you're a parent and and you want to give good to your children. You can expect to receive from the Father. In Mark chapter 10, this is a beautiful expression of it too in verse 13 they brought the little children to Jesus that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. I mean, you can almost see this and hear it as the disciples of Jesus, and they're trying to protect his privacy and keep, protect his security, maybe keep him safe, and, and, and his time. You know, he's so busy. So here come these little, pested little children, let's, and they want to get around Jesus, and they want to be, you know, have some attention, and, and they are shooing them off. Go away, go away. Jesus is too busy for you. And it says Jesus rebuked his disciples. It it says in verse 14 that he was greatly displeased with his disciples. And he said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter into it. Then he took them up in his arms, and he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. There's the father taking his children up in his arms, putting his hands on them and speaking blessing. That's what he's doing with you day after day. Oh, that you could feel that. Oh, that you could know that that's what God is doing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You don't have to be afraid of God. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba. That was the term of endearment for their father, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And then in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him we shall see him as he is. Jesus Christ revealed God as our Father. Jesus Christ revealed the glory of God. Jesus Christ revealed the word of God. The grace and truth of God, the light, the life. Let me close with this. Praise God for Christmas. Praise him for the incarnation, for the word made flesh. I will not sing of shepherds watching flocks on frosty nights or angel choristers. I will not sing of a stable bear in Bethlehem or lowing oxen, wise men trailing star with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Today I will sing praise to the Father who stood on heaven's threshold and said farewell to his Son as he stepped across the stars to Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And I will sing praise to the infinite, eternal Son who became, most finite, a baby, who would one day be executed for my crime. Praise him in the heavens. Praise him in the stable. Praise him on the throne. Praise Him in my heart. Let's pray together.